Hey everybody, welcome to the Fantasy Players Club. I'm your host, Levi Valentine, at Levi underscore Valentine on Twitter. Joining me are my co-hosts, Brent Hut Hut Heikis. Follow him at Brent Heikis, H-E-I-K-E-S on Twitter. And Trevin Cremosta, whose tweets are too hot. Hot, hot, hot for your eyes. Fellas, what's up? How we doing tonight? The end of COVID is inside, so let's kick this off. Tell me how you're doing and tell me what you're doing to celebrate this summer once we all get our vaccines and we're out in public again. Well, um, start us off. I bet you have some wild plans. Not too wild, but the family and I have, um, we've talked about going to Glacier National Park up in Montana. Um, Still got to do some, like find a place to stay and everything so still gotta get on the ball on that hopefully we didn't miss out on on something otherwise we might be just go to the black hills or something um i'm also coordinating summer school here at at grand island so that'll be that'll that'll keep me busy yeah you might want to get on the national park thing pretty soon if you uh I want to do that. I bet it is, but work out. Your family can all gather around and watch you jump through this table to celebrate <laughs> being fully vaccinated <laughs> in the COVID. Oh, boy. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> is that going to be part of our draft night special next week on Thursday night, Brent? You know, jump through the table live on, no, on no, the stream? I, I can't do it next week. I can't do it next week. I'm, uh, <laughs> I got to give my my back still needs some time to heal, so give it some time i'm hoping this summer i'll be i'll be healthy what's your back healing from some tables you're jumping through on the side (laughs) yeah not even part of this just old age (laughs) bodies falling apart nobody really knows this but brent's in an underground wrestling (laughs) amateur wrestling (laughs) good no but brent i do have a uh Really good recommendation for you. If you do go to Gypsy, or I'm sorry, into Glacier National Park, there's an app called Gypsy. Um, There's a different one for each national park where you, uh, it costs a little bit of money. I think it's like $5. And as you drive it, um, it automatically hits checkpoints on it and tells you cool facts about um, who made the park and some landmarks to just say, look right. And here's this landmark where whatever happened. So it's pretty cool. Whenever my wife and I visit a national park, we, buy the one for that park and leave it on as we drive through it cool thank you i wrote that down and like god (laughs) (laughs) no there's always like (laughs) it's always cool to hear there's always fights because most parks started as some type of resource that people were fighting over and then eventually that resource didn't work out so it turned into a tourism thing but the entire time there's every park is similar story of and then they're fighting over who has control over the tourism and who's trying to make the money from the tourism before it eventually turns into a national park. <laughs> that kind of goes along with your finishing move in your underground wrestling league, Brent, the, the hitchhiker. <laughs> <laughs> <What> the... Sure. 
<laughs> you gotta you gotta watch to find out. You weren't even listening to my story. You just ready to hit Brent with the hitchhiker. <laughs> uh, yeah, Wes. Tells you about all the fights over who's gonna make the tourism. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing this summer, Trevin? We don't have any big plans. We need to get out. My wife's killing me to do some type of trip in Mexico or really looking forward to is just hanging out with my grandparents <laughs> without worrying about them getting sick possibly. So that is my number one thing I'm looking forward to. Yeah. They just had their 61st anniversary, right? They did. Yes. Nice. It's impressive. Yep. Every year my grandpa says the same joke. They talk about the wedding dress and he says that must have shrunk. <laughs> it's been his ongoing yearly joke for the last, as long as I've known him. <laughs> That's awesome. Yep. How about you, Levi? What are you looking forward to? Well, uh, it'll be nice to see family and stuff again, like you mentioned, Trevin, but we host our Beer Olympics, and with COVID pushing back the one last year, this year's is now scheduled for end of July, so that'll be the first probably big bash that we have after everything's kind of back to normal, whatever the normal looks like now, and I'm looking forward to uh, getting drunk with my friends again. (laughs) There we go. Hell yeah, brother. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That'll be fun. In the meantime, we have an NFL draft to look forward to, boys. So let's hop into the main event. And now for our main event. All right. For tonight's main event, we have a couple of rounds. First, we want to talk about a few details real briefly on the medical combine that kind of came out today, guys. And then second, we'll go over the rookie wide receivers and tight ends uh, and preview them uh, in the draft for the next Thursday night. We're only... But first, medical combine details start coming out today. Uh, a few of interest that we'll go over here quickly. First, there were a couple of revelations i guess about actual weights for players uh the big one was Devonte smith weighed 166 pounds uh measured at six foot tall uh does this matter to you brent absolutely not i mean we saw what he, what he can do in in college um i mean you might argue that he can't get off press coverage but he was ranked in the top five in yards per route against press coverage in both 2019 and 2020. So I'm not concerned. He's overall just a stud receiver. So I don't care. He could have weighed 160. Still, if, if he did that, what I saw we did in Alabama, um, not concerned. So, I, I mean, I expected him around 170 anyway. I mean, he's four pounds less than – I mean, what's four pounds? I mean, it's it's nothing. I'm yeah. not, not worried. So just, at what point, Brent, would you be worried about it, though? If he, what if he weighed 150? Would you then say, okay, that's <laughs> well, a I, concern? I was going to answer – Yeah, I was going to answer with Tutu Atwell. So <laughs> that that – yeah, that's probably pretty concerning. What Atwell was like, what, 5'9", 150? 5'8", 149. 5'8", I have it conveniently located on the show sheet there for you, Brent. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that that right there, that might be too small right there. So, <laughs> <laughs> so 15 pounds less and he'd be in trouble? Um, maybe not in trouble, but I, I would be a little worried. You blew my mind with your advanced stat there of yards against press coverage. Did you come up with that yourself, Brent? You've been charting charting all Devontae's routes? Been charting all year. Yeah. No. BFF. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's a good one. Trevin, you worried about Devontae or Tutu? I am. I I know he did well against press coverage in college, and a lot of the cornerbacks, it's, he's in the SEC, a lot of the cornerbacks are going to be pro cornerbacks, but they're just bigger in the NFL. So I don't know how you couldn't be a little concerned about it. He definitely destroyed teams in college, but he's going to play bigger cornerbacks in the NFL, and they're going to be better at press coverage. And he is – He's so skinny. It's unbelievable. There's really no comparison. He'd be such an outlier. Um, I mean, he already is based on being six foot tall, 166 pounds in the NFL. So to do that and be successful, I, I just don't, I'm not real comfortable taking outliers and saying that this is going to be an outlier to something that hasn't been done before. So it does concern me. So I'll ask you the opposite question you asked Brent. What weight would you have felt good about him? Uh, what wait what I want Devontae to be is about one ninety, then I'd be really high <laughs> on him. But I don't know. If he would have been one seventy five, I would have felt a lot better, I guess. I know that's kind of silly, but just, he would be less of an outlier at that weight, I guess. And that build. Yeah. yeah. I kinda lead more towards Brent's side here. Like it is a little bit like you mentioned, Trevin, of an outlier, but at the same time he's been playing at that weight I mean, a little. extremely successful. <laughs> There's other receivers in that range that do okay in the NFL. Marquise Brown, I think, is in that range. And obviously he's not a superstar, but he's he's not it's not a deal breaker either, I guess is what I'm getting at. So I don't think it's sure and I guess being successful I don't mean to keep interrupting you, but that's if you're drafting Devontae, you're gonna be taking him pretty high and you're gonna be banking on he's better than Marquise Brown. Yeah, Marquise Brown was a pretty high draft pick in fantasy too though, after going first round in the NFL. But I think the other thing is they have options here. Like they can move them into the slot and press coverage becomes less of an issue at that point than as opposed to playing on the outside, which he's obviously been successful. I don't know. I'm obviously not a film expert here, but I think obviously he's not going to be beating press coverage by using his body weight and strength. Probably sure. most of the time it's going to be his quickness and his ability to you know, make guys miss when they're trying to press him. And obviously he's been very successful with that in college. It'll be interesting to see if he's able to translate that to the NFL. I agree. I, so, I think, I think he'll, I think the transition will be just fine for him. So I'm not worried at all at all. I mean, if you look at that was one of his strengths in college and I mean, footwork's important. Quickness is important. And, and he has that. So not worried at all. Yeah, and like you said, Brent, I was only expecting him to be around 170 anyway, just based on his previous comment. So four pounds wasn't a huge shift, I guess, in my perspective or the way I looked at him. I guess the only thing that would concern me, though, if he did or the team or him decided that he should bulk up and get to like 190, then he's not used to that weight, then it could be a problem. So that's the only way I see it could be an issue, so... Yeah, it kind of makes you wonder too if there's a reason if there's a reason Alabama never, you know, tried to get him to put on another ten to fifteen pounds if they felt this was his best weight to play at, and or if he had concerns about his ability to move uh, the way he's able to now if he put on that weight, because they certainly have the ability with their uh, strength and conditioning program and their nutritionists and everything else, the nutrition program and all that there to do that if that was the route they wanted to go with him, but. For whatever reason, it didn't happen while he was there, and he was there, you know, four years. It's kind of BS that they 
weighed him for this medical thing when he tried to get out of doing it because he knew that was going to be a mark against him. He didn't weigh in at the pro day or anything. It's kind of like uh, guys that don't run the 40 just because they you can only draft stock. They don't, the medical team doesn't make them run it <laughs> and be like, nope, you have to for medical <laughs> reasons. Yeah. So I don't really know why this information came out, I guess, is my point. Yeah. I don't know either. But he did say he weighed 170, so I don't know if he, that's because he knew this was already out there anyway, so who cares? But he didn't lie, really. I mean, so he's a liar, he too. <laughs> well, that, I think there was a little bit of a gap between one and the <laughs> other, but yeah. All right. 2-2 Atwell, we mentioned that was shockingly low to me. That was my biggest takeaway there. 149 to play in the NFL. Like He was kind of a late-round rookie flyer anyway. Uh, but man, this really, it'd be... I don't know. It's just shocking to see a, a guy going to the NFL at less than 150 pounds. Yeah. And he, I don't, I shouldn't even say this. He didn't run a very fast 40 too, either, did he? I think that was kind of a, maybe I'm wrong. I'm wrong. He ran a 4-3-2. I thought that was a story going around with his weight too. So he was, because that was supposed to be a fast guy from Louisville, but he did run an impressive 40. Yeah. A couple other interesting things that came out today, just real briefly, guys. Uh, Terrace Marshall uh, had, quote, medical issues popping up per Daniel Jeremiah on some show he was on today. And so that was really vague. Uh, Marshall did miss time in high school and college with foot and leg injuries that required surgery, but it wasn't really clear, at least nothing I could see came out today to clarify what kind of medical issues might be popping up for Terrace Marshall if it is that leg or foot again. And the severity of those issues or the you know like it was just kind of a weird comment for jeremiah to throw out there without any real detail i thought so i to me i'm just kind of taking this with a grain of salt for now unless we get more concrete information on what the actual situation is does it affect either trevin does it affect the way you look at terrace marshall it doesn't i'm not brent news or noise definitely shown um, I mean, me personally, no, but if a team is looking at Elijah Moore or Terrace Marshall, that might push them over the top on getting more. So maybe, maybe a team might think so. That's a good point, Brent. If there's an, a team would probably know more than we're going to know if he starts dropping on draft day, then mm-hmm. it's probably a good sign that it is something more serious. Kind of on that same note, uh, Ian Rappaport, tweeted out this afternoon that Justin Fields confirmed to NFL teams during the pre-draft process that he is managing epilepsy, uh, which is a neurological disorder that can cause seizures. Uh, it hasn't affected uh, football, and the doctors believe he'll outgrow it, as some of his other family members apparently have. Uh, they, he uh, later followed up saying he's taking his medication and hasn't had any issues, and it's possible that he's outgrown it already. Uh, so... I don't know, guys. Like this was just kind of another story I didn't see coming here. Uh, and for me personally, it didn't really change much because he's managed it effectively so far, and he's like he didn't miss any games to Ohio State, performed at a high level. Uh, and it seems like that that's probably either going to, hopefully, uh, continue to be the case for him based on what he's doing is working, or potentially get better if he does outgrow it, like apparently he has a family history of. So. For his sake, I certainly hope that that's the case and it is a non-issue as he moves forward, but does it make an impact at all for you guys as you look at him going into the draft? I shouldn't even ask you guys because I don't think you're going to know, but it, 
is a side effect or could could he have a episode based on getting hit in the head i don't know enough about epilepsy to know if that's a thing i don't know why i even asked you guys <laughs> but that would be my only concern if that's a true statement i don't even know if that's true yeah but he'd like I to say no he's managed either. it to this point he's played at a very high level so it's not i wouldn't be concerned with it i saw a tweet by twitter doctors say that if he did it his whole life playing football without a problem then he should be fine so but that's a twitter doctor so i don't know how much you can trust that <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. was an actual doctor yeah. like an well, MD? i mean <laughs> he had doctor in his name so <laughs> <laughs> was his handle at twitter doctor <laughs> was no, it dr it was... dre <laughs> dr brent hykus decided to <laughs> dr <that>. schultz <laughs> <laughs> dr dre <laughs> no i i think he was a he was a well-known doctor sports doctor so um I mean, but was it Edwin Porras or whatever, Brett? I don't. I can't remember. I can't remember. I, I was just looking at it earlier, and I saw that. And and even before I read that, um, I don't think. I mean, it didn't affect his. It didn't affect football at all. It, I mean, it sounds like it's getting better. So as long as he's taking his medication like he should, there's no concern. I, I don't think. Hopefully, teams aren't concerned with that either. So, I hope so. It's pure speculation on my part, but it could be a reason or the reason that he has slipped a little bit in mock drafts and stuff and some of the talk about him i don't know that that's pure speculation on my part but i would and it wouldn't affect my opinion if i was an nfl team but it i don't know like nfl teams there's 32 different perspectives and within each of those perspectives there's a variety of opinions for each each team's front office so i I hope that's not the case but it could it's kind of crazy we haven't heard about this till now it's it's a pretty major thing that he seems like he's not major that it's affected his life, but it is something he's had to manage for quite a while. It seems like, and it's just, it's never came out, which is pretty crazy compared to what we usually know. Yeah. Especially with them being a high profile recruit and playing at two high profile schools. I uh, wonder how that Eagles guy is viewing him i wonder how he didn't rock oh. <laughs> <laughs> what, what'd you guys think of that story <laughs> I don't know. for I, the people i don't know that eagle scout right came out and said that one of the questions he's been asking prospects on zoom is to play rock paper scissors and he gauges their competitiveness based on not if they're <laughs> winning at it but if they take it serious that was what the eagle scout came out today and said That's what'd you funny. think of that levi I don't know. I don't really care. I hope he's not putting a lot of weight on it. That's all I'll say. I think Brett. it's kind of. I think it's kind of funny, and but I'm like Levi. Hopefully, they don't put a lot of weight into it. I think it's one of those things that it's funny if you are a very successful team and have a proven track record of picking the right players, but the Eagles are <laughs> very bad right now, and they're gonna be picking <laughs> high again. So for him to say it, it always comes across like, "Boy, dude, you might not know what you're doing." <laughs> So I would guess that he meant it a joking matter. I doubt he's putting a lot of weight on it, but for a team that has not done well in the recent history, I don't know if you should be saying stuff like that. Yeah. It reminds me of those dumb interview questions where they ask you, like, how many ping pong balls could you fit in a 747 or whatever? Like, they just want to see the way you think, not necessarily get the right answer. And I guess this is kind of trying to gauge something else by gauging their competitiveness by asking them to play a silly game. The so. one I always think of is that, old scout that said he'd take the prospects people that he 
could be drafting out for supper and they'd give at a place with the glass Heinz bottle. And if they get ketchup out by banging on the bottom of it, then he would never <laughs> take them. But if he, you're supposed to hit the Heinz bottle on the side where the sticker is, I guess. And if they hit it there, then he knew it was somebody that's smart enough to learn his playbook. <laughs> that sounds equally dumb. Yeah. <laughs> very stupid. That's also how I evaluate the players for our next round. So let's move into round two. And for round two, we have rookie wide receivers. We're going to talk about guys. Just like last week, we have five questions uh, for this round. First question. Can I jump in individual questions? Of course you can. So an overall thought of having of this draft is they're saying we've got the number one prospect and quarterback prospect in years. The number one, I mean, a very highly rated wide receiver prospect, one of the better ones we've had in years, and the number one tight end prospect we've had in years. I mean, that can't all be true, can it? One of these is going to bust out on this, right? Well, I think there are two separate questions. One's are they the best prospect, and two is are they going to pan out? I think it's very unlikely that they all pan out to be as good as we expect them to be, if that's your question. This is, I mean... We're just talking about this draft like it's oh, quite a draft year. And I just I don't see how that's all possible. It'd be quite a alignment of stars for all these things to happen. Yeah, it would be. <laughs> so my other thing is uh, I just wanted to go through the first receivers taken since 2010 because we're going to talk about where we're rating this receiver class. So there's going to be some guys taking high. So back in 2010, Demarius Thomas was the first receiver taken at 22. 2011 was A.J. Green taken fourth. 2012, Justin Blackman fifth. Tavon Austin eighth. Sammy Watkins fourth. Amari Cooper fourth. Corey Coleman 15th. Corey Davis fifth. D.J. Moore 24th. Marquise Brown 25th. Ruggs 12th. So just putting that list together, it's not really a who's who on who's dominating the NFL right now. So I just wanted to, it kind of shocked me to see who, which receiver has been drafted first each year. Yeah. Wow. There's been a few bucks. Seems, like, seems like teams value speed too much based on some of those like rugs and Goodwin and Tavon and Austin. Sure. And Brown, Brown, Marquise Brown, but also two Corey's drafted first receiver overall two years in a row. How about that? <laughs> How about that? <laughs> Corey Coleman. Uh. Yeah, Corey Davis right after him. <laughs> it was all-time bad, wasn't it? Isn't that the one that uh, Aguilar was in and, and Brashad Perriman? I think so. I think so, yeah. I've only got Corey Coleman down here. He was taking 15th. <laughs> All right, you got anything else before we dive into the real no, question? No, that was just interesting to me that the first overall receiver has not been – panning out i mean there's probably three of the ten that have been very that have been successful nfl receivers you'd say so just something to think about as we say who's our number one receiver here yeah we didn't really have any tight end questions on this list so i'll just throw it out i think we talked about this the other with our our guests we all have Pitts number one and then either friar muth or brevin jordan two and three right and that's i mean hunter long maybe up there starting to climb up a little bit but is there anybody else you guys are actually is that kind of how you view it, or is there anything even worth talking about as far as tight ends? Yeah. So I was hoping we could actually just put Pitts in with the receivers here and just say where we'd take him on our list because that's yeah. what we're all kind of looking at him as. If he contributes like a wide receiver would, that's where you're going to get your value in the tight end spot. That's what anybody that takes him is hoping he produces. Yeah. 
All right. Well, uh, let's start off with our first question here. Uh, the first question we came up with is, do we all have Jamar Chase, uh, the number one overall receiver? And to my surprise, there was one of us that didn't. Brent, you said not only no, but hell no. <laughs> you got Brent let's the string bean? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. Um, it's nothing against Jamar Chase. I really like Jamar Chase. He's going to be a going to be a sure thing probably um but um, wide receiver one yes but will he be a superstar i don't know um Devontae smith what i have seen from him he has the best body control and hand eye or hand eye coordination i've seen in a very long time and seeing him seeing him play wide receiver I know not even close to body size, but he plays like Larry Fitzgerald. He's he's that good at playing wide receiver. And I just – I expect him to have a great career. Um, and there's a – I think there's a better chance. Or basically, I should say it like a higher ceiling than Jamar Chase. So there's my thoughts on Devontae Smith. He, he's a stud, and I think he'll be a stud for many years. You kind of jumped into our second question, Brad. So uh, we can talk a little oh. bit about Devontae Smith, <laughs> who you had as your I was, I was all excited to team. talk about Devontae Smith. <laughs> <laughs> so, Trevin, why don't you give us the case for Jamar Chase, number one, before so we I talk think about Devontae more? He just he did everything that Smith did as a, when he was a sophomore, as Smith did when he's a senior. And then he's got the prototypical size you'd want from an NFL receiver. I think that's my quick and easy case of why I'd take Chase over smith yeah and like we've talked about previously uh you know jamar chase is 200 pounds he doesn't have the the weight concern that Devontae. yeah has. that's what i mean by he's got the prototypical size on top yeah. of producing the same only two years earlier yeah six foot tall a great athlete across the board when you look at his testing numbers uh what the only question or the only thing i think you can nitpick with uh, jamar chase is that it was one year and it was in the greatest offense that we've seen in, in modern college football. And it would have been nice to see him come back this year and, and do it with a lesser quarterback and a lesser offense around him, which I think their offense still would have been really good if he had come back and it would have been fun to see that. But I think that one year that he did give us was so good that he is still up there as there was such an incredible season i think you made a great point trevin that's almost identical to what Devonte smith just did one of the heisman except he did do it as a sophomore so and then you see that I, he outproduced jefferson who had an all-time rookie year when he had yeah. for the vikings last year and he was better than jefferson at the same college yep yeah. so i think personally i i would stick with <laughs> jamar chase is number one but brent I think that's probably the the chalk pick. So I, I understand you want to go a little different. Let's talk about Devontae Smith a little bit. We've we've found out his weight, like we talked about. Brent, you mentioned how exceptional his season was, obviously winning the Heisman. He is a little bit older, uh, a senior, as opposed to Jamar Chase coming out early. Uh, and he did have a little later breakout uh, than Jamar Chase, obviously. So I guess – when I look at Devontae Smith, the other thing I'm looking at is the first four games of the season, which Trevin will kind of hit on your – we'll just 
I'll throw out your, okay, our question number two was for tier two, who are you taking? And I just went by DLF ADP and I put in tier two, Devontae Smith, who's going as number 11 in, in Superflex rookie drafts, Rashad Bateman, who's going 12, Waddle's going 13, and, and, uh, Rondell Moore is currently going 14. So those four are all in a row. I thought that was an easy tier two. Uh, and so, uh, Brent, you had Devontae Smith as jersey pick out of that group, obviously, since you have a number one overall. Uh, which and then Trevin, you had kind of a take about Jalen Waddle here. So let's let's cover both of these at this point. Uh, yeah. So I actually said I would drop Waddle uh, out of that group and take him into the next tier because his injury scares me. Um, he's a guy that's built around his speed and explosiveness and his uh, twitchiness and making people miss. And he had a pretty bad fractured ankle slash foot and some sprains along with it. And so that's what scares me about just thinking he's going to come back and be the same guy when that was his, what his game was built on. And so it looked like this year was going to be that because he started the year hot. He had 120 yards in each of the first four games and 550 yards to start the year before he had the injury. So this year is going to be his breakout year, um, but he hasn't had it. And the injury scares me going forward. And he came in a little light too, but that's not really a concern for me. Why does his injury concern you more than Rondell Morris? I guess he, to me, it's, he's more built on, he, first of all, he hasn't had the breakout where Rondell Moore had the huge breakout as a freshman. And then um, Jalen Waddles just being that foot injury for a guy that's built around the explosiveness scares me more. Yeah. So here's, I'm going to try to attack both your arguments. Trevin, you mentioned what Jalen Waddle did in his, in his first four games, he had 25 catches, 557 yards, four touchdowns. He actually outproduced Devontae Smith uh, from a yardage perspective in those games, 557 yards to 483 uh, for Smith. So if Jalen Waddle stays healthy all year, there's a pretty good chance that Devontae Smith doesn't win the Heisman, I think, and may not even have finished as the top receiver on his own team. So to me, that puts Waddle up there. I think there is additional risk with the injury. I did see an update recently, Trevin. I think that... Uh, like based on the most recent uh, checkup for Waddle, he's on track to make a full recovery and, and they don't anticipate any issues related to that. So that's great news. And I hope it is the case. I do understand pricing in a little bit of risk there, but I think to me, it's more of moving him from potentially being like the number one receiver in this tier to maybe a little lower in the tier. I don't think that's enough for me to completely move tiers, but I kind of understand where you're coming from. Brent, when it comes to Smith, I think that's one of the other things like he was on track to have a really good year and he had a really good year last year. Uh, but he also benefited significantly from Waddle going out for the year. So I think that's a mess, but what if Waddle had stayed healthy? Would Smith have had the same type of year? Probably not. And so that's another thing, I guess that gives me, helps me push up Jamar uh, Chase to number one. And then Trevin, you mentioned Waddle never broke out. Uh, he was definitely going to this year and uh, in a pretty big way. So, And he did, though? He was going to, like, based oh, on Oh, okay, so games. he didn't break out. <laughs> well, no, I know, I, I'm just giving you hell. <laughs> so I guess those are kind of my, my counter arguments to you both. I'll let you tell me why I'm wrong. Well, I don't know. I, I just think, I mean – even with Waddle, those first four games, you can you can. I mean, they're both pretty special, but you can see some, you can see something about Smith. He, he just looks more, even though he's 
he's a string bean like like trevin says he just looked more like a complete receiver complete nfl receiver he's just i mean they're both were on different levels when they played waddle looked great i mean um i hope he gets drafted by a team i hope a team takes a chance on him in the first round um the injury maybe it doesn't scare me as much as trevin but I mean, you got to worry about it a little bit. But I, I just think complete receiver, Devontae Smith. Um, I don't care about um, stats, but you could look at it as Devontae Smith had his time to shine, and he realized that now he realizes that potential, and he realizes that he could be a great receiver. So maybe it's – I mean, it helped Devontae Smith in the long run. Yeah. I just think Devontae's numbers look closer to, to last year than they do this year. And last year he had twelve hundred and fifty six yards. So that certainly wouldn't have been a bad year, but it wouldn't have been this year. No, if I'm just looking at the tiers, um Waddle be at the below he'd be the bottom of my tier two, and I'd probably have Marshall ahead of him, so that's why I was just saying that I would move him down to the next year. Yeah. That's fair. It's not like I hate the guy. That's just where that injury scares me enough that I would move him out of that tier. Yeah. So my answer to this question was Rashad Bateman. So I think Rashad Bateman has everything you're looking for. He did come in a little smaller at his pro day than what I was expecting him to, a six foot 190. Uh, He certainly played a lot bigger than that, and I thought he was going to measure a little bit of that based on I think Minnesota had him a a little bigger, but no. <laughs> did you see the tweet going around of how he's shrunk every year since high school or something just it's, of course it's never been official but i think coming out of high school i think it showed him at six three i believe on the recruiting website and then he played at maybe six two at minnesota on the different programs and then he measured at six foot even yeah. right Jeez. yeah he shrunk every year for the past yeah. three years <laughs> uh but as far as his actual performance he performed really well from the time he stepped on campus uh he had 700 yards his freshman year uh when he broke out for the first time uh, which gave him you know an 18.8 breakout age 94th percentile and that was with tyler johnson there who we all thought was a or who was an extremely productive receiver in his own right uh and then when tyler johnson left uh we saw devon or we saw rashad bateman go on to have 1200 yards that 2019 as a sophomore and then he came back this year before he opted out and had another 472 yards uh you know 43.7 percent dominator rating 88th percentile there just had a really good testing ran a 443 this pro day uh so pretty good athleticism across the board uh when you look at some of the the previews um then from some of the people who watch film, they say, you know, he can win in slot or out wide and in a variety of ways, uh, succeeds in traffic and contested catch situations, uh, has the speed, as I mentioned, that four, four, three to pull away from defenders for big plays, a great route runner and creates after the catch. So I think there's, there's a lot to like with the, with Rashad Bateman that makes him pretty easily my, my favorite of these tier two wide receivers. I just, it's, it's when you look at his profile, both from, from what we saw in film and then also from this uh, production as well. Yeah, I like Bateman a lot. He'd be my number two receiver. So I thought you were putting him as there that he doesn't belong, but then you were saying that you would take him out of those that yeah. tier. <laughs> yep. So for this question, I gave you the option to go either way, Trevin. You went <laughs> with taking Waddle out, and I had 
just Bateman is my favorite. So Bateman yeah. would be your pick too if you're picking one out of this group, Trevin. Yeah, he would. I love Bateman. I like I like Bateman too. Um, not as much as Chase or Smith. Obviously. Too heavy. Too heavy for you. Too heavy. Too heavy. <laughs> even though even though he's he's getting shorter every year. Um, <laughs> but I think he'll be a good receiver. He's he seems. I mean, I don't think he really has a weakness. So. Um, I think he'll be a good receiver for years to come, probably a wide receiver one for plenty of years. Yeah, I hope he gets good draft capital. That'll be interesting to see where he lands. Mm-hmm. All right, our third question. So out of the other receivers currently going in round two uh, in these Superflex rookie mock drafts from DLF, we have Terrace Marshall, who's going 16th overall, uh, Rondell Moore, 17th, Tylen Wallace, 18th, Amon Ross St. Brown, 21st, and Diami Brown, 23rd. Uh, Trevin, why don't you start us off this time? You had an interesting pick here. Yeah, so I uh, I actually like um, – sorry, I was getting my thing set up. Um, I do like St. Brown here. I think that's who I would take. He, he ran a kind of a slow 40, uh, 4 five one one of that time. he's really produced out at usc he doesn't get kind of the pack 12 doesn't get talked about quite as much but i like him a lot i think he's shown a lot of catching in traffic and um being very productive out there in the west coast you said a four five one or a four six one i'm seeing a four five one here did you see that he ran a four six one uh, i Is think that... you're yeah i think you're right so brett you and amara st brown believer no not really i'm sorry Trevin. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> he runs good routes but on the football field it just doesn't look athletic enough um he might stick on a team maybe be a number two or a three on an nfl team but um, would this way your mind any with Pittman, michael Pittman still there he uh still had 77 yards 77 receptions and over a thousand yards no that do anything for you no at least <laughs> <laughs> playing against Oregon State, Washington State. Uh, uh, I don't care. <laughs> Levi, what do you think uh, about kind of, him? I'm kind of there with Brent. I think he'll be good, but I, I don't see him as having the upside to be a great wide receiver in the NFL. So, yeah, I think he'll probably slot in as maybe a wide receiver two or wide receiver three on your, on your dynasty roster, but probably not upside for more than that, which – I think there are some in this group that have a little bit more upside. Just yeah. a reminder for the people at home, I did have the third pick in this round. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'll... Brett, who do you got in this one? And then I have another question after that. All right. Elijah Moore from Mississippi. Um, this year, this past year, he, he had a really good year. He's, he's, he's a player that's pretty fun to watch. Um, plays in the slot, probably his position in the NFL, too. Um, he's not your really tiny slot. He, he plays big. He's strong. He's tough. He makes the tough catches, um, played against SCC defenses. Um, I think he'll be a slot in the NFL. I think, um, he'll be, I mean, depending on the team that he goes to, he could be a pretty good fantasy player getting a lot of catches. So he's one guy that I might have him rostered on a lot of my dynasty rosters. Yeah, he has a lot to like here with early breakout age, really good dominator rating, uh, really good target share in college. Brent, you mentioned kind of his speed uh, and his ability to play out of the slot. I think that potentially bodes well for him in the NFL. 
uh, playing out of that slot, um, you know, especially the size, he's only five, nine, about 180 pounds. So could be a good fit there. Uh, reading, the, I read a little bit about him and they say he kind of profiles into that role in the NFL and those short to intermediate routes uh, using his ability to separate on crossing patterns would kind of be his, mm-hmm. his specialty or as far as his area of the field. And that's something we're starting to see, especially in a lot of these pass happy offenses that could be a really productive fantasy player. So uh, I think there's a lot to like with more, uh, Definitely. Trevin, you, you like more? I do like him. Yeah. Yep. He was very productive. Um, I saw he had a 70% catch, uh, catch rate when it was a contested catch. So he's a, he's done well. I like him. Did you pick I, Levi? Um, I went with another player. I think has quite a bit upside. So I had, I had Terrace Marshall and, uh, when you look at Terrace Marshall, he played with Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson uh, and still managed to break out that same season as a sophomore, 19 years old. Uh, so check that extremely important box. Uh, he had a COVID-shortened 2020 season. He opted out. He played about seven games. But during those seven games, he averaged uh, just less than seven catches over 100 yards and over touches. Showed he could be the guy even after uh, both – even after losing both Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson off that team and also Joe Burrow, I think, you know, he had significantly less uh, quality quarterback play this season. He's got a good size, 6'2", 205, ran a 4'4", had his pro day, uh, you know, has really good bursts as well. So I think that he is one that uh, kind of reminds me of T. Higgins, I guess, a little bit in the way he's slipped a little bit maybe to that so it could be a late first round, early second round area and kind of has that same type of size and athleticism. So give me some Terrace Marshall. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah's tweet, like I mentioned earlier about his injury concerns popping up, doesn't really scare me at this point unless we get more detail that it actually is something significant. And I think, you know, that could be enough to potentially drive down his value. Just the same with Justin Fields in these rookie drafts when maybe some of your owners are – more easily scared than us and that could create some value uh for someone who sees the potential of terrace marshall and justin fields for that matter yeah he was a high rated recruit coming out of high school um five-star wide receiver and he he showed it the whole time while he's at lsu there wasn't a whole lot else he could do yeah it's hard not to say terrence though terrace marshall <laughs> it is <laughs> yeah it's a unique name for sure brent you got anything on terrace I, li- I like the guy, not quite as much as Elijah Moore. Um, it'll be interesting to see who, who gets drafted first, Marshall or Moore, because I, I feel like they're they're right there, right next to each other, right on the border of late first round, early second round. So I think whoever goes to the better team will have a better year <laughs> or a better career. <laughs> so if the Ravens draft one of these guys, I think stay away. But any other team, I think they might be all right. <laughs> I'm not a fan of. Oh, I'm not a fan of the any receiver going to the Ravens this year. I, I just don't. I just I don't see it. Not a fan. I mean, they run the ball too much. Lamar Jackson's going to run it too much, and you know they're going to draft a receiver in the in the first round, and it's going to happen. So if it's Devontae Smith, I'll be heartbroken. But um, do you know what pick they got? Sorry, I'm I hope it's not, not 
I hope it's not Devontae Smith because it's just going to give you a built-in excuse when he doesn't <laughs> succeed. <laughs> Brent, the thing I always think of with that is kind of like what we saw with A.J. Brown a couple of years ago where people weren't real excited about him going to Tennessee and, uh, you know, run heavy offense with Corey Davis already there and people were still expecting him to be a thing. And I think we saw in that situation that talent can overcome situation a lot of times. And I think if the right receiver lands in Baltimore – they could have a really good career there, but I think your point about the situation isn't doing them any favors is valid, but I think it, it can still pan out if it's the right receiver who has that type of ability to succeed, no matter what situation they're in. All right. That's my, we, sh- we should have a bell noise every episode. You bring up AJ Brown. <laughs> more like a boy yeah <laughs> uh the ravens have the 27th pick brent there late first round yeah we'll see who goes there all right here's my question about kyle pitts trevin since you wanted to kind of bring him up he's going currently as the number eighth player off the board in Superflex. uh he's going behind only jamar chase for receivers so kyle pitts you taking him over any of those tier two receivers or all of them, Trevin? Honestly, I think he's behind Bateman for me, and that's it. If we're just looking at him at receiver, um, the tight end position still scares me. Guys just don't – if they're even if they produce at all, it usually takes them sometimes three or four years, even the best ones, to start producing because there's a little bit more that goes into the tight end position at the NFL than just catching passes like receivers. So – if he was just labeled a right receiver, it's kind of dumb to say, but he'd be my third receiver. I think he should be labeled a wide receiver. And I'm kind of. What are you, his agent? <laughs> and he's getting well, fantasy tagged? I mean, or if he's franchise if, tagged? <laughs> if, 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 if they never line him up at tight end and have him blocked, then why call him a tight end? I don't know. Yeah, that just Are you moving Travis Kelsey to receiver. He blocks, <laughs> not much. You, could, I mean, using Waller. That's my block a little too. You, you, using Waller for that argument is a lot better than using Kelsey. Kelsey blocks. I just don't think we're gonna see it. They had that. Jimmy Graham tried to do that for franchise type purposes, and it just didn't pan out for him. So I don't know why it would change now. Uh, for me, I'm taking probably all of those tier two receivers over Pitts just because of the positional value. And I think, you know, you it's very rare for those tight ends to produce your one. And so, you know, almost never. Premium. Yeah. Yeah. Well, year one, almost never. And year two, still very rare. Yeah. So I think I'm taking my shot on, on all four of those tier two guys that we talked about before I, I take Pitts. What if he was just labeled a receiver, though? I don't know. It probably. I, yeah, I. <laughs> it's kind of breaking my brain because I just can't think about <laughs> yeah. how hard it is to get into that top three <laughs> tight end thing. So yeah, I, I don't know. Like that's the whole issue with them is tight ends don't produce for the first two or three years. But 
when they do after that, then you're looking at the guy that wins you the league because you need one of those three receivers. If you got somebody producing as a top end receiver in your tight end spot, that's when you're really set to make some money there. Yeah. It's just so hard to identify those guys. Like there have been oh, yeah. so many highly touted tight ends come into the league over the years, like Vernon Davis and and what's his name on the Browns now? Uh God. Chris Joku. Chris Joku. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so and like I don't know, like here we are with Travis Kelsey and George Kittle and and your boy on the Raiders there, Trevin. Uh the top three <laughs> and like were any of them, you know, hyped up as the next great thing coming into the NFL? I don't think nope. so. I mean, I'll go through the top tight ends picked each draft here quick since 2010. Uh, Jermaine Grissom for the Bengals in 2010. Kyle Rudolph for the Vikings. Kobe Fleener for the Colts. Tyler Eifert for the Bengals. Eric Ebron. Uh, Max Williams for the Ravens. I don't even remember Max Williams. Uh, Hunter Henry. O.J. Howard. Hayden Hurst, TJ Hawkinson, and Cole Komet last year. So <laughs> you wouldn't have very many of those on your team and feel really good about it. Yeah. Hawkinson, maybe you think there's still a chance. but And even that, so that's what we're talking about too. He's going into year three now, and we're still waiting for his breakout year. And he just lost Stafford and has a coach that's the kneecap biter. So. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where yeah. it's tough. It's it's tough to take him high, but then you are, you look at what the gold that might be at the end of the rainbow too. Yeah. Like Dave, Dave Wright talked about when he came on, I'd almost rather just wait a year and, and try to buy them then and see if they're actually going to pan out or not. And I've heard that price. strategy too, though, but who's going to sell them at that point? If somebody just did take him as the fifth or sixth in the Superflex overall, who's going to turn around in year two and say, yeah, I'm done with him. I just, <laughs> they're on for the ride. If they know what they're getting. True. Yeah. But I think it's probably a bigger package to do where that's not the only player you're trading for. It's probably that player plus another player. And then it becomes a little more palatable. Sure. But I just person. always like the, the theories of go ahead and buy him year two. It's like, well, somebody has to sell him. You can't, it's yeah. not just up to you. And I don't right. think, if somebody takes them high, they're not going to give up on them year two unless it's catastrophe. Yeah. Honestly, so what I'd that's where I'm thinking to do is if you want him, you got to get him and you're going to have to hold tight on year one here. If you're in position to draft him, yeah. I don't think there's any way you can get him the second year after he has a bad first year. What's the earliest you take him in Superflex? That's the where I, I'd probably wouldn't be able to. I would take him. Oh, man, I don't know. Probably nine or ten. If I'm saying I've got him as the third receiver, that's be kind of where I'd have to slot him, I guess. Yeah. But then you just I if I thought there's any way my team would win next year, if I'd be in the running for winning, I wouldn't be taking pits. I just I can't have that as my thing. If I'm taking him, I'm not in under thinking he's gonna produce first year as a at a level that would help me win. Well, let's go through ADP here quick. So here are the guys above him. Lawrence, Fields, Chase, Harris, Lance, ETN, Wilson. You taking him over any of those guys? I'm Lawrence, not. Fields, Chase, Harris, Lance, ETN, Wilson, Zach Wilson. Probably Lots not. Lots of no from Brett. Brett's shaking his head. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> 
for those who can't see. All right, so that that puts him at eight, which is his current ADP. Here are the players right after him. Javante Williams. I'm probably taking Williams. I On the last podcast, I said I'd have Williams as the number two running back, so I can't flip now. Brent? It depends on what team Javante Williams goes to, but it's close. It's getting pretty close now. Okay. Mac Jones. Oh. <laughs> I don't I'm not a big Mac Jones fan. I think I'd rather have Pitts there unless it'd probably depend on who went where. If Mac Jones Patriots jumped up and drafted Mac Jones, I'd be higher on him. Okay. But Devontae I think Smith that's where I'm just gonna I'd do. sorry. What sorry was that? I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, I was just, just gonna say this is spot. where it's gonna differ a little bit on ADP from me because that's probably where I'd put sure. Bateman. I'd have Bateman above him there. Sure. So Smith, Bateman, Waddle, and Moore are the next four. So that's your 11 through your 14. So you're at the end that'd of the first, be where, first fix of the second. Yeah, that'd be where I'd be comfortable taking him. So we're looking at probably 10 to 12-ish as the earliest we'd take him. Probably. So I'd say, how about you, Brent? You thought that you are a little bit higher on him. I mean, I like him, but I'll, can I let you guys know next week at this time or next <laughs> next Thursday <Yeah>. night? <laughs> we'll have some time to talk about that. Yeah, I got to I got to know what team these guys are playing on first. All right. We'll save it for them for you, Brad. Uh, let's God. move on to a question four. Oh, go ahead. I, I was just going to thank God I don't have any dynasty rookie drafts before the NFL drafts because that would be a problem for me. <laughs> That'd be rough. <laughs> All right. Our fourth question was, which is your favorite round three wide receiver value? So these are players currently going in round three on DLF's ADP. You got Kadarius Tony at 26, Seth Williams at 27, Amari Rogers at 30, Tavorian Terry, 33, Dwayne Eskridge at 34, and Tutu Atwell uh, at 36. I also lumped uh, Nico Collins seven. And the next player was until 43. So he's right on that fringe. So we'll count him as, as a round three guy. Uh, I went with Tamorian Terry, uh, another player who measured a little, <laughs> a little smaller than I was hoping for. Uh, he's, I think he's 6'2", 207 in his pro day. So one of the bigger receivers in this draft, uh, he had kind of an interesting college career. Uh, he redshirted in 2017 as a true freshman uh, under Jimbo Fisher. And then he started the next year, made immediate impact, had 744 yards, 21 yards per reception to lead the team, eight touchdowns, uh, just kind of became that big body, big play threat. And that was his breakout season. So he had a 20.5 breakout age uh, because as a redshirt freshman, he comes into this draft a little older. He's already 23 guys. Uh, The next year, he really took it to the next level, almost 1,200 yards, nine touchdowns on 60 catches. Uh, That was the season where it was him and Cam Akers, basically, were (laughs) the whole offense. Uh, And so defenses knew exactly what they were getting and still couldn't stop him. Uh, he, we talk about age adjusted production. That was really when he peaked. Uh, he was above the baseline regression for a top 24 NFL receiver. Uh, as we talked about with Dave Wright, uh, when you look at market share receiving yards that year, he made the kind of a surprising decision to skip the NFL draft and return to school in 2020, which was probably a mistake in hindsight. He played in only six games before having the surgery in October. Uh, had a verbal sidelines bout with his position coach during the Miami game. And initially in November, the 
Florida State head coach Mike Norvell announced that he was no longer part of the program, but he didn't elaborate. And so that kind of led to speculation that he might try to transfer and which would have made him a 24 year old NFL rookie next year. But he ultimately, uh, it came out that he opted out of the rest of the year. Some questions there, I guess, about what exactly happened at Florida State and his relationship with the coaches there and just his mental attitude about playing football and coachability. But when he's been on the field, he's been very productive. He wasn't as fast as I thought he was going to be. He ran a 4.45 at his pro day, but not. I thought, honestly, he was going to test even faster than that just based on what we saw, what you see when you look at his highlights. So I think, to me, he's just a really intriguing prospect where if he puts it all together – he has a lot of upside and in the third round, I think that's about as, as much as you can ask for. And he's demonstrated that to a pretty good degree at Florida state uh, in a, in a major power conference in college football. So I think I'm taking a flyer on him here out of this, out of this group. That's not a bad pick. I, I don't, I don't hate it. Um, obviously he's got the past production measurables. He's, I mean, four, four is still pretty damn fast. And yeah. um, he's he's shown that he can be productive at at a team that really didn't have a good quarterback when he was there. So um, I, I like it. I like it. So it'll be interesting to, to see who takes him and to see if he can catch on and not have any fights with the coaches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Trevin, any thoughts? No, I like Terry. Um, I, at this point, you're kind of hoping somebody hits on um, – potential you're taking kind of flyers here so i like him as a flyer yeah brett you had uh, another major acc player here yeah i had amari rogers from clemson um he's he's always been a player at clemson obviously but he's always been a big part of their offense not the biggest part of their offense. Um, he's played with some pretty good quarterbacks with Trevor Lawrence and, oh my goodness, Kelly Bryant. Um, he's played on some really good teams over the years. Um, one of the older guys this past year for the wide receiver corps. And there's always been some young five-star receivers that's kind of outplayed him and outshined him. But he's always had his role where he was always there making big catches um, he just seems like a steady slot type receiver and maybe he can find that same similar role on an, in an NFL offense. So I took a shot on Amari Rogers just because, I mean, he's been around forever. Yeah. I know he's old. Um, at, at least, at least I think he's old. I mean, I, I don't know his age, but he has been in college for ever. It seems like so, he's only 21. Yeah. No way. Yep. Is he really? Yeah. 21.6. He's, he's played he's played at Clemson for four years though, right? Yep, he was a senior. Dang. Yeah, but well, that's he's kind of what scares me. <laughs> ahead, I mean, man. yeah, it, I, I I mean I don't know if he broke out or not. Um probably not. Um but I he mean did. They, this past season as a senior he broke out. Good. Yep. I mean I mean, yeah, it was a late breakout, but when you're competing with studs like Justin <laughs> Ross and um T. Higgins all the time, I mean I mean those guys are great wide receivers i'm not saying that mario rogers is going to be great but he could be a solid slot receiver for some nfl team yeah that is just kind of what worries me a little bit with him though is he didn't do much before his senior year even though he was playing a fair amount uh, he had 55 catches 575 yards as a sophomore and then similar production as a junior before getting over a thousand yards as a senior once t higgins and justin ross were out of the picture 
so just kind of a profiles of a slot guy, like you said, Brent, not a real great athlete across the board, uh, kind of a smaller as far as height at five nine, but he does over 200 pounds, about 212. So decent <laughs> kind of thickness, <laughs> but uh, just, yeah, kind of a, another thing with him is he did tear his ACL in March 2019 and they expect him to miss the whole season. Uh, he ended up practicing in camp and returning to play in less than less than six months. So wow. that was pretty impressive for him. Since those are usually an eight to nine month recovery. Uh, but I don't know, just he's all right. <laughs> Trevin, what are your thoughts? On on uh, Mari Rogers? If you have yep. anything, or else go ahead and pick <laughs> your guy. No, I'm uh, I'm all right with that pick. That's fine. <laughs> Thank and, you. Yeah. <laughs> Who's your guy, so, Trevin? My pick. Everybody keeps telling me to stay away from him, but I can't help myself. Kadarius Tony. He uh, <laughs> very late breakout age of uh, 21.6. He basically did nothing his first three years of Florida. He had 152 receiving yards his first year. Uh, 262nd year, 194 his third year before exploding in his senior year, um, 984 yards in 11 games, 10 touchdowns. And they, uh, they kind of can, they convert him from being a, he played in the backfield a lot of his first three years would line up in slot once in a while, um, converted him to a full-time receiver and really exploded. So I know he's older. He's 22 something now breakout age was 21.6. So there's all these red flags of, staying away from him but at this point i think you can take a flyer and maybe getting converted to full-time receiver and uh getting some experience there he really showed out this year in the sec so i think he's worth the flyer in this stage honestly i, I like the pick um the guy was fun to watch this year he, he seemed like he was making plays all the time obviously pitts made more plays but <laughs> when pitts wasn't making plays it was this guy and I mean, something's up. I mean, if if he does get drafted high, I mean, got to respect it. I mean, I mean, those guys, those scouts know more than me. So, I mean, I see him getting drafted in the first round in a few places. So, I mean, got to respect that, I guess. So, 438. 438 yeah, at his pro day. He's 96% percentile on the burst score. So, he's, he's explosive fast. and maybe he figured it out. Very fast. Here comes the rain me. on my parade. <laughs> He reminds me of his old teammate, Van Jefferson, who had similarly not a huge success at Florida uh, and then got taken pretty – I think he was a second-round pick by the Rams uh, and fell to the third-round rookie drafts just because of that lack of college success. So it's kind of funny they played together. Uh, in his first three years at Florida, he had 50 catches for 660 yards and two touchdowns combined <laughs> and he was competing for targets with van jefferson freddie swain and josh hammond so not a lot of great competition there he was a quarterback in high school and like you mentioned trevin it he took a little bit to transition to receiver which is understandable but then to to go from not being able to get production over those other three names i mentioned to a first round pick is just kind of a wild ride the other thing that's kind of interesting with him is he did have uh a couple of off-season incidents where he was suspended for the 2018 season opener. And in 2019, he missed six games due to injury. So that could have also been something that held him back a little bit, at least in 2019, which may have pushed his breakout back here to 2020. 
Uh, he did play 82% of his snaps in the slot in 2020, according to PFF. So it's kind of hard to project him into an outside role in the NFL. Uh, and when you look at his age-adjusted production, uh, it's all below that, uh, what we expect to see or what we've traditionally seen as far as receiving yards for players who go on to be uh, successful and valuable fantasy assets in the NFL. So that's I mean, kind of my yeah. anti-Tony case. I think the biggest thing you're looking at here, though, Travis, is just if he does go in the first round, he's going to get every opportunity to succeed on whatever NFL team he lands on. And I think that can carry a lot. Pretty outlandish for him to be a successful wide receiver with just the start he had. The first three years, he was playing five to ten snaps a game. He wasn't even getting on the field. It's not like he just wasn't producing. He wasn't even getting – they weren't even giving the opportunities to produce, um, which really speaks of where they thought of him. But he made the transition and really exploded this year. So I think there's some upside there that maybe he has figured it out a little bit. Scott sees something they like. I just – when you look at the numbers, it's hard to understand it. <laughs> Sounds like you're sold. I got two Tony lovers now. <laughs> yep. All right, Brent. You know, we had Dave uh, on here, and I think I brought him up with Dave too, and he said, nope, stay away from him, but I just can't listen <laughs> to this advice. I got to go back to him. I think you should take him in round one or two in all our drafts. <laughs> Do it. Uh-huh. I only wish I had the one-on-one, so I'm sure I'm going to get him. Yeah, there you go. All right, and our last one, these are just the, the round four and beyond flyers. Brent, I kind of took your guy here so we can talk about him real quick. Uh, I went with Anthony Schwartz, who is out of <clears throat> out of Auburn. Uh, six foot, 186, right up 427, 40 in his pro day, so incredible speed. Uh, when you look at his production, it was pretty good. He, had a, he broke out at age 20, which is 63rd percentile. Uh, 28% dominate rating, playing alongside Seth Williams. So uh, pretty pretty good for him uh, when you look at his production uh, in college. Uh, he's not real good in contested catch situations, but in space is really where he does a lot of damage. It's kind of what I read when I read a little bit about him. Uh, so they're going to have to manufacture some touches for him, try to get him you know, on those drag routes and, and end rounds and that type of thing. Uh, and so I think that he has quite a bit of upside here, Brent. His athleticism and speed and what he's shown so far in college. You liked him as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I do for a sleeper. He's he's fast. He's extremely fast, obviously. 4-2 is ridiculous. Um, maybe, I mean, his ceiling might be like a Will Fuller type guy. or And his floor just may not ever play in the NFL. So, I mean... <laughs> it'll be it'll be interesting to see him but out of out of the guys that you listed i I like him the best yeah trevor do you have anything on schwartz no he's a he's a good flyer to put here not as good as mine but he's a good flyer (laughs) brent since i took schwartz you had to go in a different direction you came up with a name that i hadn't read much about before so fill us in yeah, Josh Palmer. He had a pretty good senior bowl. I just reading a few things on Josh Palmer. It's um, there are some good comments on him about the senior bowl and um, how we kind of stuck out above the other guys. Um, with with him, he wasn't a very highly rated recruit either. Um, he's just played with some pretty bad quarterbacks, and he's been kind of just um, average. It seemed like at Tennessee when you look at his stats, but. Um, he's got some potential and he might be a guy that some team might take a take, take a chance on. And who knows, who knows that I like Palmer than 
better than Surratt, Newsom, and Darden. Yeah, six one two ten. Do you know if was he a slot or was he on the outside, Brent? Pretty sure he was outside. Gotcha. Cool. We'll have to dig into him a little bit. Trevin, who'd you have here? I have Surratt. Um, I like him. He his problem is he did get injured in November of twenty nineteen and hasn't played a game since. I think it was a shoulder injury. But as a sophomore, he's a, he's a receiver at Wake Forest. As a sophomore, he only he played nine games and had 1,000 yards and 11 touchdowns. And he had huge numbers in uh, high school. He In his senior year of high school, he had over 2,000 yards receiving and touchdowns and also um, 80 catches. So he's he wasn't really highly regarded coming out of high school, even with those numbers. But he's produced there. He produced in college as a sophomore. And uh, so I like him as a upside guy. He didn't run super fast, uh, four or five here, but um, I think he's somebody that's produced very high in a big conference. So I, I like taking a flyer on him. So I did, I, I found the numbers again. He had 2,100 yards, 28 touchdowns and 130 receptions as a senior in high school. The other kind of cool thing about him is his uh, brother is a linebacker for UNC so it looks like they're both going to get drafted. We'll see who gets drafted higher. You mentioned his 40 time. I had closer to a 4 7. I don't know if, if that's what you had or not. Would it concern you at all if it is that 4 7 time? Uh, I mean, at this stage, he, he's shown that he's produced. And he, if he runs a 4 7, it's worked for him so far, I guess. I wouldn't yeah. take him in the first round, but at this stage, we're kind of talking about who we think has a chance to produce in the NFL. Yeah, it's hard to hate too much on your fourth round pick. Yep. <laughs> All right, well, that was fun, guys. Uh, I'm looking forward to the NFL draft uh, next week. Uh, we will have our live stream on Thursday night for the first round. Uh, we'll have some try to get some special guests lined up for that, maybe come on when their team's making a pick and give us some, some live reaction that will surely be entertaining. And plus, you'll probably get to see Trevin. Uh, pull all his hair out when Oakland makes their pick. So that'll be a bonus. <laughs> oh, God. Kadarius Tony. going to blow it. Kadarius no, Tony. I can already tell you what they're going to do. They're going to take a stupid DB, another failed DB, for the fifth season in a row in the first round, and he's going to be terrible, and I'm going to lose it. <laughs> I think you are on the on board with Tony just because I said that's who they're going to pick just to troll you a while back, and now you're trying to talk yourself into it in case it actually happens. Honestly, if it's not a DB, I'm, I'd be thrilled. I don't care what else it'd be. They can't draft DBs. I'm done trying. We have a quick question of the week this week. Uh, So it came out today, the NFL approved the rule that now allows running backs, receivers, tight ends, linebackers, and defensive backs uh, all be eligible to wear single digits. And actually, uh, for all those uh, positions that can wear any number one to 49 and linebackers can go all the way up to 59. So let's say you are one of those positions in the NFL guys. I'll let you tell me what position, if you want to, uh, you would be, and then what number <laughs> are you picking? Brent, go Seven. ahead. All right. Um, well, you guys remember Bobby Newcomb for the Huskers back in the day? Or yep. too old for you guys. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Bobby Newcomb, he, he was number 12 back in the day. Uh, I was a young 13, 14-year-old kid, and he was my favorite player for the Huskers, and 12 has always been my number. So I used that number in football and basketball, and it, I, I'd still pick 12. So would you be a wide receiver like Bobby? Yeah. 
Sure. I, I played just like him. I could play quarterback, running back, wide receiver, <laughs> punt return. Do it all. Yeah. <laughs> and then Eric Crouch steals your job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trevin? No, I was I was uh, number twenty five in all the sports growing up. I I don't know. It was always a cool number to me because it mirrored itself, and so you could have it forward or backwards or as a mirror. So I don't know. I always liked the way it looked, and I guess I'd go with stay with twenty five. So you'd be a running back like Lashawn McCoy, number twenty five. <laughs> yeah, I'd be very similar to Lashawn McCoy. No, but I could... <laughs> I'm just saying in your in your fantasy here, like this is your dream when you're looking. No, no, I was always a receiver when I was a little kid. The receiver number twenty-five. Yep. The Rocket Ishmael. Yep. Rocket Ishmael from Notre Dame. They're eligible now. Yeah. There you go. I just said seven because it's kind of always been my favorite number, and uh, I would, I don't know, it'd be funny to see a linebacker wearing seven. So I'll go with that. I think <laughs> we're going to see that. It's funny because uh, I saw something today about. All the kickers better be prepared because they're going to have to give up all these single digits now. <laughs> yeah, kickers are going to be in the 80s or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Do you uh, like and... the rule change or does it matter to you guys? I say let anybody. I don't even know why they have these rules anymore. Just let them wear whatever number they want for any position. Who cares? It's kind of cool. I saw a picture with Derrick Henry having the number two jersey again. That was kind of neat. Yeah. Even you? Even linemen, that can, they can have single digits, you think? Well, yeah, why not? No, come on, Levi. That's, <laughs> that's going too far. It's <laughs> going too far. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> linemen are... They deserve some respect, man. They yeah, have they're cool people number. too. They don't get to celebrate in the end zone. They can have numbers. <laughs> hey, they can score touchdowns still, so it's... Uh, no, they gotta. They still gotta be in the fifties and sixties and seventies. Why? It's just easier for the refs. <laughs> but it <laughs> doesn't matter refs. for any of the other positions. <laughs> What's that? But it doesn't matter for any of the other positions. The refs can figure that out. But for linemen, it has to be easier. It's got. It's, they got to. It's. It's. It's just the refs have enough on their plate already, so they got to keep those linemen <laughs> at, with those numbers, so they know who the linemen are. Just for who's eligible, you're saying? Yeah, yeah. But I think that they already try to trick on who's eligible by putting different formations. So. Yeah, but they still have to let the refs know um, who's eligible. Did they still have that? Just have a different jersey number? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's... So you're kind of getting to my question, my second question here, Brent. Are the numbers cool on their own? Like number two you mentioned for Derrick Henry, or is it just because it's Derrick Henry that makes it cool because he wears number two? That is a good question. I didn't see that on the show sheet. Um, dang, that's I, – I think it's I think it's the player that wears them. Derrick Henry, he looks pretty cool wearing number two. You got to give him that. Some big old running back playing number or with a number two. Um, I don't know. So, yeah, I think I think that plays a big part of it. We can all agree 25 is the only cool number on its own, but every other number is <laughs> made cool by the athlete wearing it. I, I will say my my daughter, uh, my eighth grade daughter, she wears 25 in everything, volleyball and basketball. So it's interesting See? that you picked 25. You're right about her being smarter than you. <laughs> yeah. 
True. <laughs> no, I think it's too. I think you kind of make it your own number, I guess. Yeah. As far as your question goes, it's not like twenty three wasn't highly regarded till Michael Jordan had it. Yeah, and forty five. <laughs> and forty five, and what was the other one? Sixty one or something? That one time his jersey got stolen. <laughs> yep. I don't know. Let Aaron Donald wear number whatever he wants. Number eight. Number six. That'd be cool. What are you gonna fight him for it? No, I'm saying let him wear whatever he wants. <laughs> I know. I was just talking about the fight he was recently in. That turns out it wasn't him. It was him. He was just not involved in the fight. He was trying to break yeah, it up. He wasn't the guy that somebody out. Beat the oh, guy's really? face to a pulp. Yeah. There's a picture came out of the guy's face just being annihilated it swollen yeah. all over the place and he said it was aaron donald and the video came out and all aaron donald was doing was pulling people off of them so it shrieked up in a fight and just tried to blame it on aaron donald to get some money try to get some money out of it <laughs> hopefully he still does yeah he's Not still aaron donald but yeah for he's, he's laying on the ground and people are just kicking the shit out of him when aaron uh, donald was like trying to pull people off of him as like a late night after the club fight Wild. All right. Should we do our beer check quick before we go? No. <laughs> Too bad. All right. Me and Brent <laughs> have a coordinated tasting tonight. Trevor isn't cool enough to get this beer. We got the Captain Dynamite IPA from New Belgium. It's got a Let's sweet can. can here. It's got a it's got like oh, a skeleton nice. wearing a Oh yeah. What's the what's that brand? Captain Dynamite IPA from New Belgium. New Belgium, that's that guy. That skeleton guy that always wears shades. Yep. Got an Looks interesting cool. smell to it. <laughs> that doesn't sound promising, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Dynamite, huh? Looks kind of kind of an amber color to it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, it's pretty, just a normal light yellow. Is it uh, kind of... Yeah, alcohol seven point. That's good. Uh, too much for traveling. He'll be a white girl wasted if he does that. <laughs> I have that one other high uh, high alcohol content. I almost drank it tonight for this, but I didn't do it. Uh, that's really good. Uh, I'll give it a seven two. I like it. I like it too. That's pretty. Are good. you guys normal IPA guys? Not really. It's not my first choice, but I'll drink it. Yeah. I'm going to give it an 8 4. Wow. That's pretty damn good. Shout out to the Belgium. I've got a pitched blue. It's a black and blueberry ale from Imperian at Laszlo's. That's their brewery at Laszlo's. So, my wife and I ate there last weekend, and I had one and bought a six pack from them because I liked it so much. So, it's pretty good blueberry beer. I'll give mine a, let's say, 8.5. I really like it. All right. Shout out Imperium Brewing here in Lincoln. Shout them out. Sponsor us. <laughs> yeah, anybody. <laughs> anybody. <laughs> We're not picky. If you want to live spo- sponsor our live show on Thursday next week for the draft, yet a week to reach out. But until then, thanks for being part of the Fantasy Players Club, everybody. We will have that 
uh, special NFL draft ep- draft episode for you next week. Uh, be sure to watch the live stream of that on Thursday night. We'll be sure to tweet that out on all our accounts as well as the Fantasy Players Club account. Uh, so follow us there on Twitter if you are not already. Until then, on behalf of Brent Hutt-Hutt-Heikis and Trevin Cremosta, this is Levi Valentine wishing you a great week. See ya. See ya. So how we what what program are we going to be using? Yeah, I was no idea. Question. <laughs> no idea. Because <laughs> if we want people to watch, it'll have to be either Facebook or Twitch, right? Be the only thing, or Instagram, I guess. I think there's something there's, else. So what does Dynasty Coach use? Do you he, know Levi? Some people use Streamyard or something like that, and I think there's a couple other options I'm gonna look into. But yeah, I'm gonna reach out and ask some people what their preferred one is, because then I think Trevor, you can broadcast live on like YouTube and uh, whatever the Twitter one is at the same time, uh, and maybe a couple others. Gotcha. So it just feeds your stream to all of those. Cool. Maybe we'll use Twitch. I don't know. We'll see. Can you play Twitch live on Twitter? I don't know for sure. I don't think so, but I don't know for sure either. I thought Paris Twitch was just on its own thing. On Twitter now, right? That's like Twitter Live or something, but it was Periscope. Yeah. Oh, yeah.